Hello, everyone. It's so good to have you back. On the last episode of Satellite Stories, I promised you a trip to another exotic part of the world to meet our customer, CNT Ecuador. But before we do that, I want to introduce you to a totally different topic. In the next few episodes, we'll be spending some time with the regulatory and spectrum teams at SES as they gear up to this year's World Radio Communications Conference, or WRC, in Dubai. I promise you, there are some great nuggets of knowledge here as we speak to my dear colleagues Anna Markland, Samuel Blondeau, Benoit Rougier, and Carl Jonsson. Welcome back to Satellite Stories, everyone. I'm your host, Christina Smithmeyer. This year, at the Radio Communications Conference in Dubai, the International Telecommunications Union will address several agenda items that will have a direct impact not only on SES's ITU satellite filings and day-to-day operations, but also on its spectrum allocations and existing satellite service deployments at large. So you may be asking, what are some of these agenda items then? And what will be the impact for satellite services? Our very own Anna Markland, WRC lead within the Spectrum Management and Development team at SES, joins us today to discuss these topics in detail. All right, well, welcome to Satellite Stories, Anna. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to spend a few minutes of talking about the wonderful world of World Radio Communications Conferences. Me too, me too. So, all right, Anna, to start with, can you just explain to us how Spectrum for Space Services are actually regulated? Yeah, there is an international treaty called the Radio Regulations And it defines how Spectrum is to be operated by all users sharing the scarce resource of Spectrum. So basically, it's how SES is allowed to send our signals in space, making it possible for SES and others to operate free of harmful interference. The radio regulations is managed under the United Nations umbrella, and it is supported by the ITU, that is the International Telecommunications Union, which is the UN agency for ICTs, so for information and communication technologies. And just to be clear, this international framework is for all kinds of radio communication. So it's not just satellite, but also mobile, fixed services, all of it, all signals in the air or space. And then we have the World Radio Communication Conferences, the WRCs, that takes place every four years that decides upon updates to these radio regulations. Very interesting indeed. So can you tell me a little bit more about how these world radio communication conferences work then? Yes. So every four years, during four weeks, some three to 4,000 delegates travel in representing member states of the world and more than 200 private companies. And we have intense and lengthy debates on how to update these international regulations. We then have a long list of different agenda items that each one presents some potential changes to the radio regulations. Any updates must be done through consensus. So delegates need to agree on each and every update of the rules 
without resorting to vote. And as you can imagine, this is not super easy. So we will see delegates working late into the evenings to reach sometimes very difficult compromises and draft new treaty texts for adoption. At least all the previous conferences I have attended have proven to be intense with tough negotiations and debates. Wow. And November is just around the corner and you're going to be traveling over to Dubai with your team for the WRC. So can you describe to me the lay of the land? I mean, what's going to happen? Yeah, it will be four weeks of working pretty much 24-7. So in these weeks leading up to it, we're like all getting ready, hopefully eating our vitamins, preparing our families and kids for a lengthy absence. I mean, ensuring to stand ready in every way we can for this final sprint of this WRC study cycle. But an incredible amount of work has already happened to prepare for the conference. So four years prior to every WRC, numerous technical expert meetings take place at the ITU and also in the different regions like APAC, EMEA, Americas. And at, at these meetings, participants study the potential modifications in terms of technical compatibility. We identify the regulatory challenges and both national and regional positions for each of the agenda items are drafted. So the preparatory work is absolutely critical to define the technical and regulatory conditions that will need to be fulfilled to allow these new ways of using the spectrum without causing problems to existing services. So how does SES fit into all of this exactly? SES offers services in several frequency ranges for many applications globally, so in all regions. We are the world's first operator of a multi-orbit constellation with our unique combination of global coverage and high performance, including our medium Earth orbit system. So many of the suggested radio regulations updates will, in fact, have a direct impact on SCS spectrum allocations, day-to-day operations, and our existing satellite services deployment at large. So SES has a strong interest, as so much for us is at stake. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks ahead. Are there any topics or agenda items where there's a common position for the satellite industry as a whole? Yes, we have great support by our Global Satellite Industry Association, GSOA. Uh, They provide studies on the full satellite communication industry usage. So that's far wider than just the SES services. GSOA's comprehensive analysis identify the potential impacts that different agenda items could have on satellite systems, and they provide clear guidance on which WRC actions that will protect and preserve the critical satellite services that, that really cannot be provided as reliably, affordably, or even at all by other means. So the GISOA website is a great resource for understanding the full range of services that satellite make available globally, and how we benefit every day from the ways satellite use spectrum, whether it's broadband connectivity, maritime communications, or gathering data for disaster recovery. So I recommend 
turning to their website for more details. This is gisoasatellite.com. And I also have to say great job by, by them and all of us in the industry putting tons of other relevant, relevant information available. Right. So we can see how industry contributes. But with that being said, this is still UN proceedings conducted among member states. So how does that work? That's correct. A UN conference implies deliberations among national delegations, and that involves some 193 nations, all the members of the ITU. And the contribution of private sector companies is enabled through participation in national delegations. So most of us SESers are part of different national delegations. And myself, I always attend all the ITU meetings as a Swedish delegate. So then what's at stake for SES in November in Dubai in general, I mean? Yeah, I would say that the conference outcomes will shape SES business strategies in several ways. First, we obviously have strong interest in protecting our spectrum usage that support our current operations. And another strong focus for us will be seeking new spectrum opportunities and to improve the regulations, as doing this right will allow for increased access to spectrum and could improve operational flexibility by using spectrum more efficiently. We also see great opportunities to clarify the regulations and thereby foster thriving and sustainable space environment. But in the end, ultimately, I think we all want to benefit all users and stimulate innovation. But when we assess on how to get there from an SES perspective, we tend to review each relevant agenda item and assess each one for its potential opportunity or for its, its risk for the services that we already provide or that we envision for the future. Okay, so let's just break these topics down for a second and dive into a little bit more detail. What are some of the challenges or risks you foresee in November to December time during the conference? One of our major goals in Dubai will be to protect our C-band usage that will be in agenda items called 1.2 and 1.3. And they target International Mobile Telecommunications, IMT. I mean, that's in our acronyms world. We call it IMT. But normally in the real world, I guess it would be called Mobile Terrestrial 5G or 6G usage. So IMT wants to share our use of C-band so with the satellite operations. But sharing the spectrum, the same frequencies, is not always possible without one of the services causing the other one harmful interference. So one potential consequence or risk for us, to be clear, is that one of the services will be kicked out from potential usage in country after country. So... We as SES naturally always want to preserve our current spectrum usage and our allocated spectrum in order to be able to continue serving our customers. But when we are doing it, we're not just saying, no, I mean, that's 
you don't get anywhere that way. No, we try our very best to ensure a win-win situation for satellite and other means of communication. But instead of um, having each WRC just identifying more and more spectrum in the radio regulation to a service like IMT, we would prefer to ask, is the already identified spectrum really in use? You know, if it's not, then perhaps better to make good use of that before risking to disrupt existing services. So SES generally encourages countries to make better use of the already existing IMT identification that they already have access to and to target spectrum refarming, optimization before moving into identifying even more spectrum in the radio regulations. Like in this case, into our used frequency bands. Well, that makes sense. And and then if we're talking about opportunities, what are some of the top opportunities you see as a result of this conference? We can get access to new spectrum, um, which in turn naturally gives the SES a new path to innovate or expand existing applications. So that's the upside, right? This is the case specifically in Dubai for the Americas where we think we have good chances to get new uh, primary downlink allocation. So that's an opportunity to send signals from space to Earth in 400 megahertz in the 17 gigahertz band. Uh, this is what we already can do in Europe. And just as an example, SES-17, a new fully digital SES satellite with electronically programmable service areas, it could immediately make use of this new spectrum to expand broadband connectivity and service to aircrafts in the Americas region. So that's very exciting opportunity for us. But the WRC will also be about improved regulations in the spectrum that we already have access to. So within our existing spectrum allocations, these improvements could enable new or enhanced use of spectrum and thereby share space more efficiently and, and thereby also invite more users into the scarce world of spectrum. Efficient access to and economical use of spectrum and orbit resources. Those are like key words to us. Well, this all sounds really good, Anna. But I do have to ask if any of, of the topics covered by these agenda items offer any potential new business opportunities for SES or even the wider industry. Yes, uh, WRC will uh, decide on many spectrum matters with potentially high impact on SES business, I would say. About half of all the agenda items at the conference are highly relevant to us. But if I am to mention two explicit examples of great opportunities that are close to heart, I would first say agenda item 117, um, SES K band satellites such as O3B, Mpower, SES 12 and 17, they may be open up to specific types of intersatellite links. So that is connection between orbits. 
So a positive decision at the conference will permit like ERC observation and other space systems to relay data from satellite in like low Earth orbits to satellite in higher orbits and then connect to ground networks. This could create a new path for Earth's observation data. It could be like weather patterns or terrain images. They could be transmitted at higher speed and more frequently to improve scientific or civil government services. So we're very much looking forward to that. But as a part of this podcast series, we will have another episode uh, talking about this opportunity that satellite satellite links can offer. So I would invite all to listen to that episode too. But another um, great um, regulatory development uh, in Dubai will be harmonizing spectrum for Earth stations in motion. And this is one of our favorite acronyms, ESIM. ESIM meaning in motion, on the move. So that's vessels like cruise ships and airplanes offering like in-flight entertainment when airborne. Both very interesting market segments to SES and clearly with high and increasing customer demand. And on this note, I would like to highlight that it's not only the need for entertainment on the move for customers, it is also could be sh- ship crews sailing oceans uh, that couldn't connect with their families back home or uh, like uh, oil rig staffs in need of some medical expertise, any kind of crew connectivity, really. So this harmonized regulation is already in place for eSIM in KA band when they communicate with geostationary systems. And this is thanks to very good developments at the two previous conferences. But now in Dubai, we are hoping to extend this framework to non-geostationary systems. And that will provide more comprehensive broadband coverage for customers, businesses, and governments. So we're very excited about this opportunity too. My goodness, it's becoming very clear that this conference requires a lot of coordination and working cooperatively with many, many actors. Are there other topics of interest for SES beyond the specific agenda items that you just mentioned? Yes, (laughs) many actually. But if I uh, should mention something specifically, I could raise the regulation of non-geostationary systems in particular. I mean, as we all know, I mean, non-GSO services is generally a booming potential market. And here the regulations need to keep up with the rapid technological development. So I would say greater regulatory clarity is needed with respect to the non-GSO systems. We in SES was very much engaged in the regulations for non-GSO constellations when they were discussed extensively already at the last WRC in 2019 in in Egypt. Back then, the trend uh, was already underway with some of the system planning mega constellation consisting of many thousands on satellite. Uh, Even if not, all of these plans will materialize. So back in 2019, the conference managed to agree on requirements 
that all non-GSO systems should meet defined milestones when bringing their constellations into operation, like a step-by-step procedure. So basically, a predictable regulatory framework for non-GSO constellations that benefits all active satellite operators, including SES. So I'm very happy about the success of the last conference in Egypt. Great that you managed to achieve all that at the last conference. But then that leaves me to ask, are more regulatory updates with regards to non-GSO still necessary then? Yes, definitely. I mean, WRC 19 uh, indeed took important steps to establish pieces of the needed framework puzzle for bringing into use of constellations. But we in SES continue our efforts to complete the puzzle with more comprehensive regulations. A few examples in Dubai, we will discuss the flexibility, or we call it tolerances, that should be allowed for the operations of non-GSO constellations. So, for example, how much is it appropriate to allow for the nominal orbital altitude or the degrees in inclination to vary with time? And uh, that we label Agenda Item 7, Topic A. Also, another example, whether administrations and satellite operators should really be allowed to keep their assigned spectrum rights, even if there is a drastic reduction in the number of real satellites in space. And that is what we label Agenda Item 7, Topic B. And and we in SES were certainly active in all these debates to ensure agreement on fair and clear rules, naturally with some built-in flexibility for all space users. I can also note that the two previous examples that are great opportunities that I mentioned, both the clarified regulatory conditions for connectivity on the move and the satellite-to-satellite links between the orbits, they are also targeting increased non-GSO usage. Wow, thanks for that overview, Anna. So once the WRC in Dubai is done, what happens next? Something tells me there is still more work to be done. (laughs) Indeed. WRC agendas, they are set four years in advance in order to give time for all us interested players to study the topics properly. So each conference also had to decide what the next WRC agenda item uh, will be like. And of course, as always, in consensus. And then we in the spectrum world start all over again, discussing producing studies for the next four years before we meet again. So already now, there are many proposals for 2027 agenda items that are on the table in Dubai. And we in SES assess them in the very same way, split into potential opportunities and potential risks. So just to mention an example of a risk, uh, terrestrial, mobile, 5G or 6G now will always be seeking more spectrum. So for SES, it really will come down to which frequency bands are they targeting next? Uh, is it bands that satellite already used? 
or adjacent to satellite operations, then we will, of course, be very interested in performing sharing and compatibility studies to ensure our potential coexistence. And, and for 2027, we understand that there, there are some actually targeting the full KU band. And, in, and it could be vast amounts of spectrum, like even some 10 gigahertz range right in the middle of our core spectrum usage. So we're very interested in following that development. Another risk we see will be to ensure to uphold the radio regulations Article 22 and its equivalent power flux density limits, or what we call the EPFD limits. In our view, these current limits provide reasonable safeguards to geostationary operations, and they do facilitate non-GSO deployments and investments already. So we don't support reviewing the EPFD limits at the second next conference to achieve this goal. I'm glad you brought that up because as part of this podcast series, we have an interesting episode that discusses these EPFD limits in more detail. So we certainly invite our audience to tune in to learn more about that hot topic. But um, Anna, let's just take a moment to reflect for one second. This sounds like a super intense journey. (laughs) So what are you looking forward to when you start the next study cycle? Yeah, well, to the more more fun part of the next study cycle, there will, of course, be multiple opportunities for SES to study too. So in our usual way, we will continue to seek more effective, transparent regulations and specifically target matters that we consider key pillars for growth. We will be seeking additional opportunities in higher bands including regulatory regimes for aeronautical and maritime earth stations in motion. Here we go with eSIM again. And we will hopefully also continue to enable the satellite to satellite links and going forward, hopefully in also in lower bands and noting that the K band is the band on the table already in Dubai. And as usual, there will be many technical and regulatory opportunities that will ultimately allow us to continue expanding our use of Spectrum for such services. Well, Anna, thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge today. It's been super, super interesting. And um, all I can say is we wish you and the team all the best. Uh, Best of luck for WRC. Well, thank you very much, Christina. And me too. I wish all of us, not only SES, but the full three, four thousand delegates of the world, good luck for this crucial time ahead. We in SES certainly look forward to working together with satellite operators, industry stakeholders, regulators to ensure continued success of satellite systems that are operating in both mature and novel modalities to connect our world. So as you've all now heard, the outcome on topics addressed by WRC23 are expected to shape not only SES's business strategies, but the industry at large in very tangible ways. 
Next up on Satellite Stories and in this WRC miniseries, we learn about an exciting opportunity that opens up connections between orbits. Satellite to satellite links. Until then, please do get in touch to find out more or visit our events page with related WRC content on SES.com. I'll make sure to leave the URL in the episode description. Chat to you soon.